0: Are you working? What kind of work do you doing? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air.
1: And he did What?
0: And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! sideline Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yes, yeah, surprisingly, I believe. Mistake. I put in work and watch my status Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Friend. Join alongside man. my co-host Aaron my Murray. Job, like Be sure to follow Please us y'all. on social media at Punt and Pass f- on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray11. And head on over to puntandpass.com, the number one destination in the world of college football, keeping you up to date. With everything going on, it's got our YouTube page, it's got everywhere that the podcast is distributed, our pics, our blog, our merch page, puntandpass.com. Go and check it out. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Happy holiday to you, Um, Aaron. It's Monday, December 28th. I just told you I was banging out some emails this morning. I think every single response I got was out of office. I don't think anybody's doing anything this week, and really that's how it should be. But we do have bowl season. That's why we're here. Got a couple of great matchups leading up to the college football playoff. We'll be back later on this week with our college football playoff preview show. But how are you? How's the family? How was Christmas?
1: Dude, it was it was nice, man. Little little chilly, but uh, we had a small gathering at my sister's house. And yeah, it looked beautiful. It was, it was it was good to see family for a little bit. And then, you know, always enjoyable with a little one opened up his gifts, was really funny. He just wanted to eat the wrapping paper. You open up the gifts and he's like, <laughs> just feed me. Uh, so it was great. And, you know, kind of the rest of the weekend and rest of time has just been relaxing, going on lots of walks, weather's been nice. So definitely a different year when it comes to Christmas. I mean, not as many fun activities. And, you know, we still got our, uh, our Christmas movie in some good bacon, just been pretty much the three of us, which is kind of nice just to spend time with the little man with, uh, with Sharon off work right now.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we were kind of the same way. Good to be with family in a small, small gathering and um, different for sure. Different, but always appreciated. And let me just say one thing, you know, I think like around Thanksgiving, maybe even the week before Thanksgiving this year. And look, I know 2020 has been super weird. People were putting up Christmas decorations. Christmas trees are going up. It almost seemed like people skipped over Halloween with the Christmas decor. And okay, I'm like, whatever, do your thing. This is where I'm going with this. If you are one of the people who take down your Christmas tree on December 26th and take down your Christmas decorations on December 26th, you're a psychopath. I mean, come on. You got to at least let it hang around for the following week. Am I right, Aaron? I don't know what Sharon does, so I'm just throwing this out there. But I usually take it down right around New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, kind of clean up, fresh start in 2021. You have to leave it up the day after Christmas, right?
1: Yeah, we we probably we usually tend to leave ours up until after New Year's. I think yeah. that's kind of our timeline. Like January first. It's like, okay, New Year, let's get the house cleaned up and, yes. and get ready for 2021. So yes, it's uh it, ours is still up. Our still our Christmas decorations around the house are still up. Yes. So like I said, twenty or January first, um, unless we just have a bunch of time off on the thirty-first, which is probably gonna happen this year, is kind of the time of us to slowly start taking everything down and getting ready for the new year. So yes, I agree. Simmer down, enjoy yeah, it, exactly. enjoy some nice festive stuff to end this crazy year, and then let's start 2021 fresh.
0: Yeah, I, I filled out my tree pickup from a, from a Boy Scout troop online, and they had a couple of different options, but I actually chose January 3rd. Because January 2nd would have meant get it all down on January 1st, and that's a great day for bowl games. I mean, Georgia's on at noon, you got your two college football playoff games, so I didn't want to be having to do all that on New Year's Day. I'll do it on the 2nd, we'll be cleaned up on the 3rd, we'll be ready to rock and roll, simmer down people, let the Christmas decorations hang up for the week after Christmas heading into New Year. All right, so what are we talking about today? I think there's a couple of really good bowl games before college football playoff season. Um, there's also some news around the SEC. I saw South Carolina retained Coach Mike Bobo to be the nice. offensive coordinator, which is great for him. Um, they're also bringing in Will Friend, who is Tennessee's offensive line coach. He was the assistant offensive coordinator, did I t- believe it. Did-
1: Tennessee let him go?
0: I don't know if they let him go or not, but South Carolina took them, took him from South uh, oh, Tennessee. Awesome.
1: Will Friend's a great O-line coach.
0: He's a great O-line coach, works very well with Coach Mike Bobo, and I'm happy for Coach Bobo, but you got to think here, this may have been pushed on to Shane Beamer because they paid mustchamp a ton of money to leave, and Bobo is under a brand new contract just a year ago. I can't even imagine what his buyout was going to be also, but in the end, I think it's the right decision, Aaron.
1: Yeah, and, and and you know, offensively was not really the main issue this year. Early on, they are pretty good defensively. They couldn't stop anyone. It's kind yeah. of the reverse of what we've what we've known and thought of. It's just gonna be interesting what the scheme is going to be. Is it still gonna be Bobo's scheme or is Bobo gonna have to learn more of a, a, a spread type offense? Because I think Beamer, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to run this old school stuff. I mean, you look at the last three games from South Carolina. And you're seeing I formation, you're seeing an actual fullback and you don't see that anymore in the SEC or really for most of college football, you really don't see that. So I think with Beamer trying to get a new identity on this football team, try to build some excitement, especially on the offensive side of the football, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where this offense takes a turn. I I just don't see it staying in this old school offense. Well, it may work and it may have worked from this year, especially with their big halfback. You're not going to get great recruits, and you're not going to get big-time recruits with that style of offense anymore. It's just it's it's too tough to compete on the recruiting show when you see teams like Alabama and LSU and Florida and you know, even Georgia flinging around a little bit more these spread offenses. So, for Mike Bobo, um, he has evolved, and, and you got to kind of play and call plays based on your personnel. But um, it's like I said, I'm interested to see how they kind of change this offense and evolve on that side of the football. But I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Coach Friend, tremendous offensive line coach. Obviously, Bobo and Friend work together at the University of Georgia, so they've already had that kind of sync and understanding. Um, so it's, it's to me, it's, it's a great hire both ways.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I was a little bit bummed to see my boy Joe Cox did not get retained. That was a bit of a bummer, but I know he'll land on his feet. He was the wide receiver coach there at South Carolina last year when they brought Coach Bobo in. Um, some breaking news around college football. It looks like Kadarius Toney is going to opt out of the bowl game. Um, is supposed to play Oklahoma. That's going to be a fantastic game. That is Wednesday night. It's the Cotton Bowl, I believe, right? I think that's, yeah, the Cotton Bowl. And you know, Pitts is already, Kyle Pitts is already, um, he has already opted out as well. So's Trayvon Grimes. And I think Marco Wilson is hitting the road early and opting out. Of course, everybody will remember him for chucking the shoe against LSU and and consequentially losing that game for him. Let's touch base on one more thing before we hit these three bowl games that I want to pick. It's just a quick episode today. What do you think about Urban Meyer? getting some love from some NFL teams, and specifically one right in our backyard here. Do you think he could possibly be a good fit in the NFL, maybe even for somebody like the Atlanta Falcons?
1: Yeah, obviously them, Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville would be really intriguing for him. Get the number one pick in the draft. That was just confirmed. So you get Trevor Lawrence. Get to kind of build that team how you want to build it, I think would be an an awesome opportunity for him. Obviously Atlanta has a little bit more pieces, I guess you could say, a little bit better of a football team. I mean, they look pretty good yesterday versus Kansas City and, and had a chance to win that game. So uh yeah, I do think he would be a head football a good head, head football coach in the NFL. Um yeah, but once again it's 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 similar to your expectations. You know, your yeah. spot if it is Atlanta or Jacksonville, don't expect them to come in there and make that a playoff team year one. You know, obviously both teams are looking for a head coach for a reason. They're not very good. Um and, and I guess Atlanta a little bit better. Atlanta is just a pissed away probably three or four, maybe five opportunities. To win oh, my there. God. It's I mean, hard to they watch. Easily be pushing for a potential playoff spot right now if they just would learn how to play in the second half. I mean, the point differential from first half to second half is just sickening to me when uh, when they kind of said that set yesterday versus the Chiefs. So uh, it would be interesting to see. A lot of money, that's for sure. And, no doubt. Uh, life's a lot easier as an NFL coach than a college football coach no recruiting no kissing butts 18 year olds it's for sure come in you better do your job or I'll cut your ass and you'll be on the street so a little bit easier on him and and that's something that maybe be beneficial too i mean his issue is health health health
0: yeah
1: all that stuff dealing with college football so if you can kind of take the load off when it comes to recruiting not have to worry about that and just be a coach that, that could be enticing to him.
0: Yeah, I, I would be really interested to see if the right situation could bring him out of retirement. Keep in mind, a team like Atlanta doesn't have a GM either, so they could kind of make it a package deal. Urban can clearly evaluate talent. He knows how to scheme up offenses, and you bring up a great point, Aaron, where it's like, hey, you're not burning the candle at both ends year-round in the NFL. I mean, when August comes around and training camp starts, sure, you're not going to see your family until after New Year or February to make the Super Bowl, but that is what it is, right? Right? Then you start to get big weeks off, three, five-week periods off, and, and you can certainly come at it from a much better perspective health-wise. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, look, you back up the brink's truck, people start to listen. I just thought that was a really interesting name to be brought up for some NFL head coaching vacancies. So that'll be a fun storyline to keep tabs on. Let's get into some football. It's Monday. Tonight there's Monday Night Football. Bowl season really ramps up tomorrow. There's a great... Bowl down in Orlando, the Camping World Stadium, Cheez-It Bowl. That's right, Cheese-A-Bow. the Cheez-It Bowl is in Florida. I thought this game used to be in Arizona. Looks like they've changed it to Florida. It's number 21, Oklahoma State, taking on number 18, Miami. That's right, the U. Oklahoma State is a one-point favorite, which is kind of surprising to me. The total here is 60.5. Feels like there's some positive momentum with Miami. Derek King came out and said, He's coming back next year. This could be a team to watch heading into 2021.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just kind of hard to get the, that nasty taste out of your mouth with that last loss to North Carolina. I mean, they got absolutely destroyed yes. in that game. I mean, just run through North Carolina's running backs at a field day, just trucking dudes left and right. So that kind of has to play a little bit to do with it. But I agree, man. I think there's – Derek King brought up a lot of excitement to this football team um, and, and the fact that he's returning next year. I mean, he has to be on your on your top for Heisman Candidates for next season right yeah. now. Especially if Brett Lashley stays. Defense, you know, another year in the system. You continue to build around him. So I I, I like the momentum for that of, hey, we're going to use this game and Derek King to maybe even start his Heisman campaign a little bit, get yeah. going on that aspect of it. Big game, excitement there, get to 9-2, win, uh, and then get ready for a good 2021 season. So I like Miami in this game, um, especially with that one point.
0: I, this one, when I first saw it, I was like, why is Miami an underdog? I mean, they're better, they're better ranked. They've got less losses than Oklahoma state. I think the ACC is certainly better than the big 12. So I'm like, that makes no sense. Therefore I'm taking Oklahoma state and I'll lay the one point.
1: Um, uh, Hubbard's not playing. So, I mean, you know, if you look at the North Carolina game, they dominated by running the football And, and Oklahoma state's missing one of the best running backs in the country, not playing in the game. So I, you know, Sanders has been too high and cold for me at the quarterback for Oklahoma state. I've seen him play really well. I've seen him play really bad. It's just been uh, just kind of blah, and and you don't have now your, the best running back. So I just don't see Oklahoma state taking care of business. And, and also too, it's, it's in the home state for Miami. Yeah. you don't have to travel as much. Um, I think all that plays a little bit into the factor, but I think the biggest thing is just Deer King. And yeah, let's start that Heisman campaign right now.
0: All right, I'm going to go with the road team here, Um, and I just think Oklahoma State might be a bit more focused. You just said it, Miami's in-state. Maybe they had a little bit more fun for the holiday. It's going to be a great game, though. Number 21, Oklahoma State, against number 18, Miami. Let's head to Texas. It's the Alamo Bowl. This game's at 9 p.m. Tuesday night. Number 20, Texas, going up against Colorado, a former Big 12 rivalry. And Colorado, remember, out west, they finished the season 4-1. and one. They, were pre- they were looking pretty good. They lost their last game of the season. They end up in the Alamo Bowl. It looks like Texas is going to hold on to head coach Tom Herman. They couldn't get Urban Meyer. It seems like they're sticking with Herman for at least one more year. Kind of a prove-it spot for Texas. They've done well in bowl season in the past under Tom Herman. They're an eight-point favorite here, Aaron. Again, one of your teams that are playing in the home state. This is not the Alamo Dome in San Antonio.
1: Uh, give me Texas in this one. I mean, you look at their, the, the end of the season for them, played really well, played really well versus that, in that loss versus Iowa State. Um, and Colorado's schedule, I mean, it, to me, it's it's kind of like who have you been. Arizona's not very good. San, San Diego State's a good football team. Um, maybe not their best year there in the Mountain West. Uh, Stanford's not great. UCLA was a good team this year, so I mean that's a good win. But to me, they really haven't been challenged to really know, I mean, is this a legit Colorado, Colorado team? Or did they just benefit from the fact that it was a short season and they didn't really play anyone? Um, so I, I just think Texas has just had more games, a little bit more proven in my mind. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Longhorns in this one. I think, what's the spread, eight points? Yeah, eight points. I'll, I'll take them on that one too. Yeah,
0: I'm going to lay the eight here as well with Texas. You just said, I mean, Texas played nine games in a much better conference, I believe. Then Colorado's only played five games against a much weaker Pac-12. I think this is a big proven spot. I really do. And this is Sam Ellinger's last game as a Texas longhorn. I mean, that guy's been in college for 15 years. Yeah. You would hope that he can go off on a high note. Tom Herman can get some positive momentum heading into 2021. I'll lay the eight with Texas as well in the Alamo Bowl. One more game on this short episode of Punt and Pass. I think it really could be one of the better games of the entirety of bowl season. This game's at Wednesday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. It's the Cotton Bowl, the good year Cotton Bowl Classic, in Arlington at Jerry World. Number 7 Florida taking on number 6 Oklahoma. I mean, look, Florida's offense is elite. Kyle Trask is looking to go out, maybe put some more points up on the board before the later Heisman Trophy ceremony, which, of course, is January 7th this year. But Oklahoma, I mean, this was a team that I don't think many people wanted to face towards the end of the year. They're Big 12 champs. They took care of business against Ohio, uh, Iowa State, excuse me. And their defense and Spencer Rattler have improved significantly since the beginning of the season. I know your boys, Dan Mullen. I know Kyle Trask has impressed you all season long. Is there any reason to believe that with the opt-outs, with no Kyle Pitts, with no Kadarius Toney, that Florida could be in a little bit of trouble here?
1: I think they are in trouble. Oklahoma has been one of the hottest teams to finish the season off. I mean, they can score. Rattler has been absolutely tremendous. And, and, and what does Florida struggle with? They've struggled defense, defense, defense. Yeah. Oklahoma's rolling on the outside of the football. Yeah. And you lose your best two playmakers on offense. You know, I know they've played games without pits. Uh, they lost one of them to an LSU team that's not even close to as good as Oklahoma team is. And then, but at least you had Kadarius Tony to kind of rely on. So, you know, while I do like the other receivers there for Florida – I said, Tony, what he can do and on special teams and then what Pitts can do. um, I got to go with Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma's played well defensively down the stretch. I think Oklahoma wins this game and I would not be surprised if they win it pretty good just for the fact that, you know, it was a tough loss against Alabama. You're losing your star players. I mean, I kind of feel like Florida right now is kind of like, eh, you know, what are we really playing for at the moment? Expectations were so high. I think Oklahoma right now is kind of saying, hey, we got Rattlers playing great. Kind of the same mindset as what we had with Miami, talking about them earlier on in the show, is I think they're looking to continue to build for next season, especially with a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I just think they have a little bit more fire, and I think they've played better as of late. So I'll take Oklahoma in this one.
0: Yeah, this scene, and it's Oklahoma. The line is Oklahoma's a three-point favorite. The total 70, which is tons of points. I'd probably just take the over on that. That'll be a fun game to watch at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. This situation reminds me so much of Georgia versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl in 2019. Georgia wanted to get into the college football playoff. They lost that heartbreaker to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Players were tweeting, we should have been number four. We should be playing. You just got the sense that they did not want to be in New Orleans. They did not care about the bowl game. And quite frankly, there just wasn't much to play for. Now with the opt-outs in 2020 and how driven into hyperspeed, That entire situation has been, I think Florida's in the exact same predicament. I mean, look, they've got opt-outs on both sides of the ball, some of their best playmakers, and Oklahoma has something to prove. Oklahoma is one of the hottest teams in the nation to finish out the season. I mean, what does Florida gain by winning this game? Not much, really. I mean, that LSU loss was absolutely killer to this football team. Kyle Trask can't do it on his own. I'll lay the three as well. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Aaron and I are both on the same side. Oklahoma winning as a three-point favorite. So in the Cheez-It Bowl, I like Oklahoma State. Aaron likes Miami. In the Alamo Bowl, we're both on Texas. And in the Cotton Bowl, we're both on Oklahoma. Um, Heisman finalists are out. Trask, of course. Trevor Lawrence, I think that's more of a career hat tip. Then you got your two Bama players, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. I think it's Devontae Smith. I think those three quarterbacks kind of chip away at each other's votes. I think Devontae Smith comes out on top. What say you?
1: I hope he does. I think he deserves it. He, he's truly the best player in the country. I just, you know, you talk about the quarterbacks chipping away. Um, I worry about Alabama players kind of chipping away at each other too. Oh, and yeah. the way Kyle Trask played in the SEC championship game may have jumped him a little bit close in there. I'm with you, Trevor Lawrence. I just, I don't see it happening. Um it's just he, he missed too many games, and there was too many games, too, that you saw where the numbers weren't as gaudy as some of these other quarterbacks. I mean, Kyle Trask, the amount of touchdowns he has compared to everyone else in the country, the yards, everything, and then obviously Mac Jones, what he's doing on offense. But, I mean, if we were honest with ourselves and we're going to say who is the best player in all of college football, what is the biggest playmaker and difference maker in a football game – it has to go to Devontae. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. If, if I was a voter, I'd, I'd vote for Devontae. I hope he wins it. I know it's rare to see receivers do it, but if there's a year to do it, and there's the year for something kooky to happen. 2020 um, is the year to make that happen.
0: Yep. No, I totally agree with you. You know, they threw Trevor Lawrence in there it's solely based off of his ACC championship performance. Remember, DJ Uyunglele played great in South Bend. Notre Dame still won. Trevor Lawrence starts against Notre Dame, and Clemson absolutely blows him out. Is that enough? I don't know. But again, how these Heisman voters vote, regionally, selectively, best player, best quarterback, best stats, who knows. Um, Fun week of college football is ahead. Aaron, thanks for jumping on for this shortened episode of Punt and Pass. I want to give a big shout-out to Georgia's punter, Jake Camarda, racking up the national awards. SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. I think that's the first player in Georgia history to win that award rodrigo did not win that award last year he's a finalist for the ray guy award college pointer of the year first team all sec and surely he'll get put up on some all-american teams as well so shout out Jake Camarda, man he's been a beast all season long flipping field position for the georgia bulldogs anything on the way out my man
1: no man just excited for some of these big time bowl games to start tomorrow uh it's always nice middle of the week to sit back and kind of watch some good football and then obviously the NFL is kind of rounding up this weekend so it's uh it's a good time good bowl games in the NFL playoffs and it's it's for the AFC and NFC there's going to be a lot of push in here this this last weekend so just Good time to be in quarantine, I guess. Just sit back and enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Great time to be in quarantine. Watch some football. Stay tuned to Punt and Pass. Check out Aaron today, tomorrow and Wednesday, maybe on SiriusXM, Channel 374, SEC Radio. Follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Murray 11 And we'll talk to you later on this week for our college football playoff preview. See ya.